Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Front Kick Friday. My name is Sam. I'm joined by our regular co-host, Mac. Today we're going to be recapping UFC 219 from this past weekend. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, man. So UFC 219 was this past weekend. It was Holly Holm versus Chris Cyborg Santos or... Is it, is it Justino now? I don't believe it's Santos anymore. By, by marriage or by law, I think it's Justino, but no, he keeps Cyborg as a nickname for promotional purposes. Yeah, either way, just Chris Cyborg is, is kind of what they're calling her now. And um, before we get into our picks and break down how we did on those picks, what would you, what, what word would you use to sum up UFC 219? Unexpected and um, outside of the co main events, a little underwhelming for me. Yeah, I think I would use it's pretty much the exact same word I would use underwhelming and not necessarily a letdown, but because you can't say like all of them were bad fights, you know, you had some really good fights, but just kind of off. You know, it, it just seemed kind of, kind of not, just wasn't a complete night as far as uh, the outcomes were concerned. And most notably, um, I think the one fight that we didn't uh, make a pick for, the Diakesi, Diakesi, uh, Hooker Dia fight. Diakis, yeah. whatever. Uh, actually ended up being a really good fight, and Hooker uh, came out with a, uh, a big win uh, by a really good guillotine. I was excited for it, so um, because you know anybody that comes out with a red mohawk right now, you, you better do some big things. So, um, but getting into the results, um, because like I said, not a terrible card, but not what we expected. Uh, we both picked Carlos Condit versus Neil Magny in the opening fight of the main card. And I said in last week's episode that Carlos Condit was just going to be one step ahead of Neil Magny the entire fight. Um, and I believe I, may have, I'm, I believe I may even went so far as to predict like a second round or third round TKO. But uh, I wouldn't have been surprised had... Condit won just by decision, but I thought he would just be one. Yeah. I thought he would just be one step ahead of Neil Magny, and uh, in, in the inverse, I feel like Neil Magny was just one step ahead of Carlos Condit the entire fight. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't think you and I both took into the account the pressure that Neil Magny can put on people. You know, you look back at, back at the Lombard fight, um, even the Gastelum fight. You know, he, sh he showed some uh, good pressure in certain moments in that fight. Yeah, and and I think I, 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 I you know, at least at least in recent memory, I kind of lost that pressure uh, whenever I think of Neil Magny just because of his RDA fight. Uh, because he yeah. didn't use that pressure at all. And coming into the fight, I was thinking maybe Neil Magny is losing that ability to put that pressure against the top-tier contenders in the welterweight division. And then you had somebody like Carlos Condit, who we were really, really hoping would come back in his you know former form, uh, and he didn't, I don't think. I think they're also, um, I think it was a combination of Neil Magny's pressure still being there at some level, uh, whatever it may be. And then also, ring rust is a thing. Uh, I can personally attest, you know, if you have, if you take the extended amount of time out of the cage and you get in the cage, it takes an adjustment. And it just didn't feel like, uh, it looked like Carlos Condit physically and maybe um, in every other aspect other than mentally was back and probably in better form. But it just didn't seem like... Uh, he had that rhythm that he would normally have being in the cage consistently. Because Carlos Condit is someone who, in uh, in in other you know 
strings of competition has been really active. So. So what do you think should be next for Carlos Condit? Ah, that's a good question. Um, man, as useless as they are, let me pull up the. Actually, you know what? I don't even need to. I think Darren Till. I know it's a super risky fight for Carlos Condit, but I feel like he could rise to the occasion. I can't get into the mind of Carlos Condit, but I can only imagine looking at the previous performance against RDA. I, I maybe it's a, you know maybe it's a, it's a possibility. Maybe Carlos Condit wasn't taking Neil Magny as seriously as maybe he should have. Uh, or maybe didn't expect that kind of pressure. And I feel like with Darren Till coming off such a phenomenal win, maybe, or or how about instead of Darren Till, Cowboy. I know they're in the same camp, but, um, you know, Cowboy a lot of times maybe isn't at uh, that camp. In, in Albuquerque, he's at his own camp and his ranch and, so maybe he can string together his own coaches, kind of like the situation with GSP and Condit. Okay. Yeah, well, he is matched up with Yancey. Oh, yeah, you're right. Gosh, geez, that was but, uh, just just made recently. Ugh. Yeah. Um, maybe the loser of that fight. Know. I'd have to pull out the rankings to think of a, uh, yeah, let a me, good... Let me, let me pull up the rankings here real quick. UFC rankings. Yeah, because it's a hard time right now to kind of figure out who in the welterweight division especially is going to be a good matchup for someone like Carlos Conte coming off of such a long layoff and in not a terrible performance. Like, some of the combinations he was landing against Magny were good, and some of the submission attempts he was throwing up and some of the control for even from the bottom wasn't bad. It just felt like he was doing it a second too slow. Like, he should have done it a little faster. Okay. You got Gunnar Nelson, number 13. You give him Ponzinibbio, number nine. That wouldn't be a terrible matchup, honestly. Or Jorge Masvidal. Um, uh, I don't know about, I don't know about Masvidal just because I don't, uh, Jorge Masvidal almost never looks bad, and I, I think you give Neil Magny, Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, but Masvidal lost. You know, Magny may may need somebody that's coming off of a win. And if you have a name like Carlos Condit, you have to put him in there with somebody relevant. You know, I don't think he would get up for a Santiago Ponzinibbio or even a Gunnar Nelson. You think maybe a winner of Kamar Usman and uh, Emil Meek? I'm a kind of fan. I, I don't want any. I don't want him anywhere near Usman. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, man. I guess uh, if he's not going to get up for a Ponzinibbio fight, which I would really like, then maybe uh, a Jorge Masvidal fight wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. As of right now, Carlos Condit's back down at. Number twelve, though, so maybe the winner of yeah. Cerrone and and um, Medeiros. Medeiros should be a, a very winnable matchup for him. Yeah, but uh, but I'm rooting for Donald Cerrone in that fight. I don't. I don't think they would do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe the loser. Maybe if uh, Cowboy wins. Then Medeiros, uh, but the only thing I see with that is Medeiros is already ranked number fifteen. I don't think yeah. he's going to take an unranked uh, matchup. So maybe Gunnar yeah. Nelson, though. Gunnar Nelson right now seems like the the way to go. Honestly, I don't think that would be a mad matchup at all. Oh, I'm looking at these rankings. Absolute criminal that Conor McGregor is number two in the uh, pound, pound for pound, pound rankings. Ugh, let me. I don't even. I never like to look at the pound for pound rankings, but uh, wow. So Conor McGregor's above GSP. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Act like that's not a thing. GSP, Daniel Cormier. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna act like that's not a thing. Um, I think pound for pound rankings are kind of 
really and truly outside of like a top three pound for pound ranking after that it's kind of a whatever it doesn't even matter because you've got you know dj gsp john jones if you're you and me and um i mean who else conor mcgregor kind of maybe ish I, I mean, at one I don't point, care. maybe no, one a second though. Yeah, well, maybe Conor McGregor post two hundred five. You know, you you, you post UFC two hundred five. Yeah, after that, you, how are you going to even put him in the pound for pound rankings? He hasn't fought in any kind of you know in mixed martial arts since uh, UFC two hundred five. So it's, pretty it's not even that he just having fights. Just Conor McGregor gets. A lot of opportunities that other fighters don't get. There'll be plenty of two weight division champions if they were allowed to go up. There's never been a reigning champion that's just been allowed to go up, especially without relinquishing their belt. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's um, it's not great. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but, all right. Let's we'll move on to the next fight. Yeah. So next fight was uh, well, actually, who do you think? Uh, who do you think uh, Neil Magny? Did we say? Who? No, we didn't uh, give a Neil Magny. I'm thinking. Uh-huh. I'm thinking Neil Magny versus the winner of Cerrone uh, Maderos, and maybe the only loser. Maybe if, the loser goes against uh, Carlos Condit. I would say maybe only if Cerrone wins. Um, I mean, actually, if you wanted, he could match him up with Darren Till. Yeah, that actually wouldn't be a bad idea at all. Uh, you're just gonna have to wait and see what how the the Darren Till Wonder Boy thing kind of plays out. The 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 the, the 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 quote unquote mix of the title picture in 170 is so so jacked up, and and the the rumors that are coming out more and more and more about the the Woodley Covington tough season is just making everything else more of a shit show. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, I don't know how they're gonna do that. It's it's kind of terrifying to even think that that would be a thing. But you know, I digress. Man, they need dollars. Do what? They need dollars. Yeah, they, they need do. Money. Yeah. All right. So the next fight was Cynthia Calvillo versus Carla Esparza. This is a fight where you and I were actually split. You picked Cynthia Calvillo, and I picked Carla Esparza, and I actually picked Carla Esparza by. Uh, I believe unanimous decision. Uh, I think I said 60% would be uh, unanimous decision, and I picked maybe a 40% chance of a split decision, but I still picked Carla Esparza. And, um, but not a bad pick uh, by like by picking Cynthia Calvillo, being the favorite going into the fight and seeing what she had done in the rest of 2017. So first round comes out, and I believe, I think it was pretty unanimous that the first round went to Calvillo. Yeah, and then the second round was a lot more, uh, a little, a lot closer, a lot more competitive. You've seen, and 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 I'll actually, you know, take take responsibility for saying that the takedowns uh, would kind of. I, I thought that that uh, that Carla Esparza would be able to take Cynthia Cavio down and then keep her there. It was a much different outcome where she just kind of shot for a lot of takedowns, got a few takedowns, and then Carlos Sparza was able to get immediately right back up. But with the accumulation of takedowns and also the accumulation of strikes here and there, uh, and, and Calvillo just not really doing any other, anything other than landing jabs, Yeah, Esparza uh, was able to kind of use that experience and come out with uh, rounds two and three. Um, so... Uh, not a bad fight, but I mean, it wasn't a barn burner. I don't think anybody thought it would be unless Calvio came out and just destroyed her. And I think that's what the UFC was hoping for. Yeah. Um, yeah, she she just Calvio just didn't do enough in the third round to secure victory. And much like I said in last week's episode, 
I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think this was a uh, devastating loss by any means for Calvillo. I think this was a learning experience, and I don't think it really lowers her stock at all. I think the UFC is still going to want to push her uh, to a pretty measurable extent and give her big fights, winnable fights, to promote her name. She is sponsored by Body Armor, so she's yeah. one of those. One of those. She's kind of the new Paige Van Zant for that, uh, for the division that they kind of want to push. Uh, especially with Paige Van Zant kind of being out of the loop lately. Yeah, um, it's gonna say not to mention it's one fifteen. Yeah, I mean straw rate. You know, uh, Rose Namajunas just lost to Carolina Kovacevic before she beat Michelle Watterson yeah. to secure a title shot. So it doesn't take much. Yeah, and Jessica Andrade just lost to Joanna Jacek in May. Uh, so it's hard to put her right back into a title fight um, against um, against Nama Yunus, even though Andrade just won. Uh, it's very complicated. I think a lot of the divisions in the UFC right now need a lot of clarity, and um, I think you could blame a lot of matchmaking on that. I think you could blame a lot of um, competition matchmaking versus marketable matchmaking for that. So... Um, yeah, and it's hard to give Kolvekovic that fight um, because I believe her last fight was actually a loss to... Uh, no, she actually just won against, if you know who this is, Jody Esquibel. I don't either. So... Mm. Um, when did that fight take place? It was at UFC Fight Night Cerrone Till in October. Okay. So honestly, if you if you really look at the the rankings, you either have to give the rematch to Joanna Jacek, which kind of makes a lot of sense in my opinion. I don't think there's any reason not to. I know it was a first that. round knockout, but it's also very marketable and it would help the division have time to kind of sort itself out. Because right now as number two you've got Jessica Andrade who again coming off of a super dominant win over the person right behind her in the rankings over Claudia Gadelia um, at number three. And then number four, Karolina Kovacevic. And then you have Tisha Torres, who I feel like is literally just one win away from uh, from a title fight. I, if she had stopped Michelle Watterson, I feel like she would have got that title fight. But being that she didn't... Um, I feel like she needs, still needs that one marquee win. So maybe you match up uh, Claudia and Tisha or Andraj and Karolina Kovacevic or Asparza and one of those two, three, or four um, just to make that next title fight. But, but uh, yeah, for Carla Asparza, I see her, you know, maybe you could give her Karolina Kovacevic. Uh, I don't think that would be a very bad fight. Uh, if Car- if Carla Sparza were, were able to win that, that would be a huge win for her. And if Carolina comes out the the victor, then that kind of boosts her back up into that title picture uh, for a rematch with either Joanna or Rose Namunas. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, since Claudia came off of a loss, I would like to see Carla Sparza and Claudia Gadelia. The fight was supposed to get an Invicta before the UFC came in and, and robbed them of all their straw weights pretty much. That would be a really good fight, yeah. I, I like yeah. that. And who do you see for uh, Cynthia Calvillo uh, dropping to number eight in the rankings? Um, the thing they'll probably... I don't know if they'll put her up against Michelle Watterson because they're kind of, the UFC is kind of pushing both of them right now. So that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't I don't see how they do that. But do you think maybe they match her up against a uh, a Felice Herrig or an Alexa Grasso? I was gonna say maybe probably a Felice Herrig, you know, one of, one of the older Charlottes, mm-hmm. who actually still has uh, somewhat of a name with fans and yeah. a face. So. So, yeah, I think that would not be a bad idea. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo, maybe she'll get uh, Felice Herrig next. And then, uh, obviously, Carla Esparza. I definitely like the idea of her and Claudia Gadea. I think that would be a really good fight. Um, Especially for Claudia Gadea. I think she needs needs a rebound after getting dominated so badly by Jessica Andrade. 
Nah, she started off that fight so well. She did, but I mean... If you looked at the first three minutes of that fight, you would have thought <laughs> that maybe she's going to get a TKO. <sighs> Boy can dream. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um, again, the Hooker Dia... Diakis. Gosh, I'll never, <laughs> I'll never get it down. Um, ended in guillotine by um, Hooker, and that was a good fight. Um, and then the people's main event, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Edson Barboza. Um, <clears throat> one word for this fight, uh, uh, dominant, uh, assault. Um, you know, I, I was telling... I was telling some of my friends, if I would have been in the crowd, I would have called the cops and said that there's a young boy being beaten uh, to death by a, an adult man um, in a cage. And, uh, and I would have gave them the address of the T-Mobile of the arena because that was brutal. On, so for those that aren't aware... Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov defeats Edson Barboza by unanimous decision. Um, 30-25, 30-25, and 30-24 on the judges' scorecards. And that 30-24 means that all three rounds, uh, Khabib was given a 10-8. And that is unheard of. I don't, I've never even heard of all three rounds being 10-8. Not to mention, under the old scoring uh, uh, rules so you know they have not picked up the u- the new rules uh, in the unified rules so uh, that being said can you imagine if they were under the new rules I mean they probably, probably be a 10-7 probably get a couple of 10-7s uh, that, that was brutal I yep. mean Edson Barbosa tried he tried blue leg kicks just Khabib just would not respect anything. He's pressing forward, you know, trip takedowns. Edson Barbosa even managed to get away from some of them, but it, it didn't matter. End of the day, it's just the ground and pound. Man. I'm, yeah. I'm too excited for his next fight. I'll tell you that. Yeah, the top pressure uh, on the part of Khabib Nurmagomedov was something that going into the fight we knew was going to be an issue and it was going to be a matter of if he can stay out of that kicking range with someone like Edson Barboza whose boxing isn't bad but he's never been touted for his boxing it's always his kicking ability you know he was he was even outboxed by Don Cerrone uh, who has never been known for his pure boxing either and so um, then we've seen in this fight even Khabib was able to, though on part of a lot of just forward, forward, forward pressure, uh, still actually outbox Edson Barboza. And that's something that I took away from this is kind of my uh, nugget of uh, being impressed was not so much on the ground game of Khabib because we just expected that. Did we expect such a brutal beating? Uh, kind of. Kind yeah. of. I mean, yeah. there, there was... A, uh, was I mean, believe me, I was just as impressed as anyone else. But, yes, uh, we kind of still expected that. Now, on the feet, though, I was relatively impressed that at the damage Khabib was able to do uh, with his hands. Yeah, but after that first takedown, man, Edson Barbosa was just was not the same fighter. After, after getting up from, I think he had three minutes of ground time in the first round. After that, it, it just wasn't the same fight anymore. Yeah, and you're not fighting the same fighter at that point. Um, I, I know from experience, takedowns limit your striking. Um, I've been in the role of the takedown person, and I've seen how uh, after you know landing multiple, 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 multiple takedowns, um, by the third round, my opponent just was so worried about the takedown that their striking kind of fell to the back burner, and they were just so worried about takedowns. Whereas, you know, in my last fight, I was so worried about a takedown that my striking necessarily wasn't at full par. So Edson Barboza at that point, especially in the second and especially in the third to an extent, was so worried about the takedown that he just, you know, his hands were not as high as they normally are. His, his 
feet weren't necessarily as nimble as they usually are. And uh, especially after that first round beating on the ground, you really can't blame him for being so hesitant on the feet. Not to mention, I, I think we maybe only saw him one, throw one combination with his hands after that first takedown. The rest of the time, he was just kicking, hoping to get something, rather right? as a leg kick or, you know, he, he attempted a couple of spinning hook kicks. But that, that was it. He was throwing one shot at a time. Yeah, and the the wheel kicks and, and the or the reason reason I said that in the third round that he may have been a little less hesitant, uh, just because he was kind of going for broke. Uh, you know, he was throwing wheel kicks. He actually landed one kind of behind the ear on Khabib, and uh, that just shows how tough Khabib is. Because I think even though it uh, necessarily wasn't a clean wheel kick, uh, most people would have uh, taken a little more damage to that than Khabib did. So. Um, that just shows us that the resolve that Khabib has, I don't think anyone truly doubted his chin, um, but now you can kind of look at it with a little more uh, certainty. And then also uh, just going back to his ground game and his and his top pressure, it's, it's truly unmatched probably in the entirety of the UFC, not just the lightweight division. So I don't, I don't know if you're familiar or not. Um, so what is the streak at for how many rounds he's won in a row? Is it like 24, 25, something like that? Uh, in the UFC? In the UFC. Has not lost a round yet. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, I don't know the exact number, but I know he's never lost a round in the UFC. In, so. I think it's in the 20s, which is a streak that, you know, we haven't seen since, since George St. Pierre, yeah. uh, which was broken by Jake Shields. Which yep. is... <laughs> Such a ridiculous card that we've still yet to <laughs> break down. Or no, did we? Uh, we did do that card. Uh, yeah, we did. You're we right. Did you're right. You're right. You're right. Broke down uh, that one. But uh, yeah, so um, I can only imagine that going forward, the marketability of a Khabib any one fight is going to be huge. Obviously, Conor McGregor is going to be the number one name that they want to put up next to Khabib. Now you do have the roadblock of. Um, you really can't have Khabib Connor next. It's kind of impossible. Hey, uh, the WME, anything's possible. <laughs> it can be done. It WME, we trust. Is that what you're saying right now? Uh, yep. They're gonna be like, um, you know, we're stripping, we're stripping a lightweight champ of his belt. Like, you mean Connor? No, Tony. <laughs> Connor fights on. <laughs> now, see, what I what I can see happening is. Yeah. I'm not saying that the the UFC would ever propose such a preposterous uh, thought to Tony, but you know, or maybe someone in Tony's gym, you know, they hand him some uh, some baby oil and they're like, "Hey, while Tony's sparring or grappling, throw some of this baby oil on the mat. If he gets injured, we can't do the unification bout, and we can't let him fight." Khabib it just seems like we're just gonna have to put that on hold and let Connor fight Khabib in Russia I mean so in the event that you know in the mysterious event that Tony is injured then you could see a uh, Connor Khabib fight and then maybe down the road the unification bout with whoever wins out of that match but other than that you can't justifiably um leapfrog the interim champ the interim champ is essentially the concrete number one contender mm. so um you know let's get a little off here so we're going off of your uh fantasy booking of frankie edgar winning three titles <laughs> if he goes back up to 155 does frankie edgar get past khabib absolutely not absolutely not absolutely uh, not um i mean you know um <laughs> I, well, I I say absolutely not. I'll give him like a ten percent chance. Like if he, because on the feet, I, absolutely, Frankie's gonna outstrike him in my opinion. But um, God, if he doesn't defend that takedown, which I mean, I feel like you would see. I don't think he would be able to finish Frankie. I don't see that happening at all. Um, and also, I think that he, may, Frankie, might could win the fourth and the fifth round. But. Uh, one, two, and three is not going to go good. It's going to look a lot like the first Gray Maynard fight, in my opinion. Yeah. 
But, you know, who knows, you know? Uh, and Frankie, we trust, dude. Like, he's, you know, he's the GOAT, so. He's the eventual GOAT. <clears throat> however, comma, uh, yeah. So, uh, I do, however, like the idea of Tony and Khabib. I don't think that's a bad fight in any, I mean, it's what we wanted time and time again. So I think fourth well, time's the charm, man. Hopefully we can get it if, it, if well, they book it. Well, people people are treating this this like uh, like it's like it's a lower tier fight to anything other than Connor, or, or really and truly, at this point, it, it almost seems like people like no one wants Tony, which is it's ridiculous because um, you know a month ago everyone wanted Tony. What have you done for me lately, man? It's recency bias. It happens. And so that that brings up my question now is in, let's say, so it's January now. Let's say March 1st. Where do you think the lightweight division is going to be if we haven't had uh, a fight announced? Like, who do you think the public and the UFC are going to be clamoring for in that little top three of the, the public? Always. Are you talking about out of. Tony and Khabib, or just the three in general? All three. Tony, Khabib, and Connor. What do you think is going to happen? The public's always going to glamour towards McGregor. Now, Dana White claims, in, in accordance to an interview he did with Yahoo Sports, that if McGregor does not defend by March, if he does not return, he will be stripped of his title. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So well, if, if, we don't, if we don't see him return by March, you should get Tony Ferguson and Khabib. But, you know, take that... With the, with the grain of salt. Well, that's some insight that I wasn't uh, aware of, and so that kind of opens up a new narrative that we only essentially have the next 45 days. Um, realistically, not even that. I would say 30 days to have a fight announced for uh, <laughs> what I would assume would be the unification bout between Tony and Connor. I think if the UFC, you know, if they're picking, I think if Conor McGregor's picking, he's going to do Tony Ferguson and then maybe Khabib afterwards. Because I actually think Conor McGregor matches up way better than with Tony Ferguson than a lot of other people do. I agree. I agree. I think uh, the Tony-Conor uh, fight is way, way more winnable for Conor. I still don't think he's, he. I, I still don't think he's, he may win that. But um, and I think that a win for Tony over Connor, like skyrockets Tony, uh, if someone can coach him on what to say um, before and after the fight. As yeah, I don't know. He's corny. It's 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 rough. It's, it's cringeworthy at best. Uh, however, if he can somehow, uh, with the help of Boss Logic, I think Boss Logic really has helped Tony Ferguson's stock in just his like that grim reaper that el kakui you know if he can if he can like project that upon the public and really you know you know like he was saying yeah i think some people thought it was corny but i thought it was kind of cool how he said that uh he was gonna get in uh connor's you know in his kill him in his sleep or getting his nightmares getting his dreams getting his his mind and uh that that persona of like that Grim Reaper, that that demon. Fuck is this guy, Freddy Cooper or something? Hey, dude, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> if it's something that you know helps him be more marketable of a star rather than just being the guy, you know, wearing fucking sunglasses indoors all the time, I'll fucking take it because I want all I want is the most skilled fighters slash active fighters to get the most shine. And mm-hmm. right now, Conor McGregor is getting all that shine, and he's he's neither, because I don't think he's more skilled than Tony, and I don't think he's more skilled than Khabib by any stretch. I think Tony is way more well-rounded, obviously has a like vastly superior ground game, and then uh, I think he's just a shade ahead of Tony in the striking. And then as far as Khabib, I think he's far better in striking, but I think uh, on the ground, obviously, he's light years behind man uh, I don't I don't know even with the build up Tony is uh, goes against Connor how much that's gonna help him you know I, um, I'm looking at Eddie Alvarez's Instagram right now 
247,000 followers. Who who is that? Eddie Alvarez. Eddie. Oh, well, uh, well, Instagram I mean, uh, I mean, but what under what merit would he have gained? Are you saying that the win? Just saying, I don't, I don't think the following alone. Maybe even if he wins, I don't know because that's already been taken from Conor. We've already seen Conor lose in the UFC before. But look you at. Know, I, but but people have an excuse, and I don't mean to cut you off. But people have all like because because I still hear from, uh, you know, because you know you you know what, what job I'm in. Everybody's a uh, a fight expert, and um, and so that I hear all the time. Oh well, you know, Connor, uh, you know he he gassed himself out in the first fight, you know, and he dominated him in the second fight, you know with uh, Nate Diaz and and obviously I can't just you know say hey you know let me break this down completely and totally for you because I have time in the day to do that it's it's not feasible maybe but what I'm saying is the aura of invincibility is gone like because it's gone like Nate Diaz already got all of that he he got a million followers from beating Conor McGregor. If you look at Holly Holm, she got a million followers from knocking out Ronda Rousey. Amanda Nunez, not so much. And she did it more, way more impressively than Holly Holm did. But I'll put it like this. People, one, within Amanda Nunez, uh, she can't speak English, and people don't know how to pronounce her last name. That's, that's two things right there. Everybody's going Nunes, Nunez, Nunez. It's like, stop. Just stop. With Holly Holm, she's American, so she's marketable. She's blonde, easy, yes. And and obviously, uh, you know, the yes, it was more dominant, her win over Rousey, but it wasn't as jarring. There wasn't one moment. Like, that Holly Holm head kick will be the picture of her shin across the, you know, neck, of Ronda Rousey, that's going to be in pictures forever, you know, till the end of time. Whereas that, you know, you can't really pick out a single strike that came from uh, from Manny Nunez against Holly Holm or against Ronda Rousey, however. That sure you can. The last straight that knocked her out. You can, yeah, you can go, but I'm saying you can go with the last straight. You can go with one before that. You can go with one before that. I mean, they all made her look retarded. Uh, special. Uh, you know, fuck it. But anyways... <laughs> Um, they made her look stupid. So, um, however, comma, you don't have anybody looking back at Ronda Rousey saying, oh, well, you know, this is why she lost. She was just not as good against home. She was just not as good against Nunez. The division passed her up, and no one's denying that. You say Ronda Rousey's coming back to fight name one. Not many people are going to be saying Ronda Rousey's got this unless you put her against number 10, number 11, number 12. You know, people think she's 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 done. However, you look at Conor McGregor, he won rounds against Floyd. That's don't don't get into how or why that may have happened. <laughs> but the fact is he outstruck Floyd um versus what Pacquiao was able to do against Floyd. And he also won rounds against Floyd. That was a moral victory for any and all Conor fans. And then you look back at UFC 220, and then you look back at, or not 220, um, 202, and then you look back at the first fight with Nate, and people say, oh, well, he just gassed out, and he was just trying to knock him out, and it was at 170. There's so many variables that you can argue where I feel like that aura of invincibility at 155 is still there because the only fight he's had at 155 is where he knocked out Eddie Alvarez with his hands behind his back. So True, but if you can go into any fight in your division and go in as an underdog, now I don't think he's going to go in as an underdog against Tony Ferguson. I think he'll be about a two to one, two to one dog. I think he'll be. But yeah. if he goes against Khabib, he will absolutely be the underdog. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I don't know. We we've kind of went off on a tangent here. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, which is why I don't think he has an aura of invincibility. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, we can agree to disagree, but... Um, well, I think he has an aura of invincibility against Tony. 
Like I don't think, and that's what, I, and that's kind of what I was saying as far as Tony gaining that that star power from beating Connor, and is because Tony doesn't have a huge following. People don't love Tony. There's not a ton of Tony. I mean, really and truly, the only people that even know about Tony Ferguson, you know, because I, I remember when I was in uh, in training at Lackland, I asked ever because I was going to meet Tony Ferguson. He, you know, he was doing a jujitsu seminar in Austin, and I was going to do that. Uh, in May, and I was telling a bunch of people I was in my class with that I was going to do that, and no one in the entire class of 52 people knew who Tony Ferguson was. Granted, these are all casual fans. With a, you but know, that's where you get your money from, you know? Exactly. Those are the people that are paying your bills. Exactly. <laughs> and so no one knew, had ever heard of Tony Ferguson. And mm. I was like, okay, so, you know, I feel like if... Uh, you know, going into that fight, no one's going to think Tony's going to be able to win. And then if Tony does win, it's going to be by vicious, dominant ground and pound or vicious, dominant submission. So. They'll probably dodge choke him. If, yeah. If he were to beat McGregor. Yeah. Probably definitely be a dodge choke. Yeah. And so if that happens, I feel like people are going to, you know, lose their minds because, you know, it's going to be. It's going to be pretty intense. So I feel like, I mean, is he going to become the new Holly Holm? No. Is he going to become the new Nate Diaz? Not even close. But He may get 300,000 more followers. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think, I think he'd get uh, a, a, an achievable amount to then make the Khabib fight pretty big. Uh, I think if he beats Conor, then the Khabib-Tony fight gets you around 800,000 buys. Mm, you think so? That's, that's that's pushing it. Well, I also think it has to do with what the rest of the card is going to be. But I think if they book that for, you know, post Ramadan, I think it. I think, I think you, they could build it up, do some press tours. I think it. I think it'll help. Mm. And honestly, at that point, Connor has no choice but to hype up Khabib, because the bigger he makes Khabib in the long run, maybe at the end of the year you have Khabib Connor for the belt so because I think Khabib's going to beat Tony I'm going to say so even I was going to say in theory even if Tony was to beat Conor McGregor you don't think they'd do that rematch right away mm, it would have to be super back and forth but I just don't think they want to keep Khabib off the shelf like that or on the shelf like that so because Khabib is so marketable I think he is. Um, you know, there are, you know, as I watch a lot of other sports, I watch First Take, I watch Sports Center and stuff like that. And, you know, Max Kellerman, an HBO boxer, he's familiar with who Khabib is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so there, there, are, um, there are people out there who know who Khabib is more than Tony Ferguson. He's just the fact that he's 25 and 0, you know, that's something you can market, and he's Russian. A lot of a lot of casual Americans will glamour today. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing. Um, I think the twenty-five and zero. I think the um, the however you know twenty-plus rounds. You know, never lost a round in the UFC. I think that's all they have to say. Never lost a round in the UFC. Twenty-five and zero. Russian. Uh, they should never. They shouldn't put the word Dagestan in there at all. Just Russian. No, just say Russian. Russian. You know, you immediately get throw out the Ivan Drago comparisons, even though you know he's a fictional character. It would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, then it would work. And then, and then, and then from that point on, all you got to do is show the fight with Michael Johnson and Edson Barboza and Abel Trujillo. That's all you got to do. Got to throw RDA in there though, because he's a top contender. I don't think they should throw RDA in there because people don't really know who RDA is, anyways. The, uh, the people that know who RDA is already want to see Khabib. So, uh, and but the um, Tiago Tavares would be a, a, a highlight to throw in there too because he had that man by his throat <laughs> and oh, was not and able to. Well, yeah, by all well, Abel Trujillo was <laughs> such a dominant win because of the amount of takedowns. You know, he still holds the record for most takedowns in a three round fight or in a fight period. So, and it was a three round fight. So, uh, I still watch that before I go to jujitsu just to get hyped. So. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so yeah, I think um, 
next for Edson Barboza is uh, the number one. I mean, that's the that's the golden question right now because uh, after that kind of loss, you almost don't want to see Edson back in the cage um, for a while. And who are you just? They're 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 kind of they're looking at Kevin Lee versus Justin Gaethje, so that's both. That's a fight I would love to see. I would as well. And then you've got, and and I'd like to see Eddie Alvarez versus Poirier as a rematch. So yeah, that's not gonna happen. Well I, don't, then, I don't think Eddie wants that to happen. Well then, who do you? Okay, so let's say Tony fights Khabib. I mean, Tony fights Connor. Mm-hmm. I think he give Eddie Alvarez to Khabib. He's ranked high enough. How rude! He has a name. How rude he's, are you? He's, he's ranked high enough. He has a name. He's a former champion of UFC and Bellator. He just had a vicious knockout over Justin Gaethje. He had the fight of the year contender because some people are giving it to Gaethje Johnson, depending on what website you like to go to. So, um, fight a year contender. It's a very marketable matchup. If Connor comes back and fights Tony, that's what I would do. That's a really, really good. That's actually a really good. This is why you're the you know you know one of the hosts because it's <laughs> why it's why I don't do like, I try not to do these without you because um, yeah if I could if I could see on a card in late March. With Tony Khabib or Tony Connor for the unification, and then Khabib Eddie Alvarez co-main event. Pfft, sign me up, please, yeah. please. And because it's like if Eddie wins, you could give him a rematch against Connor if Connor were to beat Tony, or you could put him up there with Tony. Do it in Philadelphia. Your crazy car. Philadelphia, no matter what sporting events, they always have really good crowds. Mm. And I almost want to see either Edson versus Justin Gaethje or because I think that'd be a bad matchup for Edson Barboza. And I love Edson Barboza, but uh, yeah, I mean, they really he gets hit a lot, though, man. Yeah, I think but his chin is gone. I don't think it is at all. I don't think it is at all. Maybe Edson versus Gaethje or uh, Edson versus Dustin Poirier and Gaethje versus Lee. I actually, um, I I don't know. Well, since I think Poirier would take that fight since Edson's ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think that'll help yeah. leapfrog him up into the, the mix, if you will. And then Gaethje versus Lee, that's going to be an easy-to-hype fight. And then yeah. you've got Alvarez, Khabib. And then Tony Connor. I think we figured it out, man. That's the way to go, man. They should hire us, you know. <laughs> hey, UFC, just, just send us a check, and we'll be fine. Um, and then, right, do you have anything else to say about that? Because that was such a huge portion uh, to break down. No, no, man. I think I think we're good on that. All right. Take so, a last look at these rankings over here. Yeah, right. Um, and then... Our main event of UFC 219 was, again, uh, Chris Cyborg versus Holly Holm. You had Chris Cyborg. I picked Holly Holm. I explained last week my thought on how it would go, and it didn't didn't go too different from kind of how I called it. I don't mean to brag uh, because I definitely really don't have any room to, uh, being that I, um, you know, I, I got the pick wrong. But I did say that it was going to be a close fight and that it would be a good thing for it to be a close fight. Now, the only thing that keeps it from being rematch close is just that that last round was not very close. No, and, and you know, I don't, I don't think Cyborg's really getting enough respect for, you know, how, how our approach is so different. Now, she's not fighting the same. This is not the same cyborg from, you know, 2000, was it 2010? Or 11. That smashed Gina Carano, or 11. Yeah, you know, this is, she, she has head movement now. 
You know, she she's very polished when she comes forward. It's it's not just straight ahead Vanderlei Silva style and, and starting to swing wild hooks because that that's what Cyborg used to be. And this isn't even the same Cyborg that fought at UFC 198. You know, um, I feel like she's really taken to, and I feel like it was a gradual thing again in her uh, back at 214. But then this is kind of the culmination of her learning to. Uh, have a little more discipline in her strikes, have a little more patience, and and really change up her fighting style completely um, to more of a counter-puncher. And that, I think that was kind of where Holly Holm failed, was that she didn't wait on Cyborg to come in, and she just took it upon herself to go forward. And that's not how Holly Holm's ever fought when she's successful. Um, if you kind of remember when she fought... Um, Shevchenko, she did the exact same thing. Shevchenko, they had a super boring first round, and then Holly got fed up with it. She started rushing in. She stopped being a counterfighter, and then you get the result that we got. So she was always one punch behind because it was always that exit punch. As Holly, right before she exited the pocket, got clipped. And it was the exact same story when she fought Cyborg this past Saturday Every single time, it was tit for tat, for tit for tat. But as soon as she would exit the pocket, she gets clipped. And after five rounds, it's hard to hard to give you the nod. The power difference was just too much, too. Oh, it was. Uh, and but surprisingly, the strength difference in the clinch was not. Uh, I think Holly Holm did a lot in the clinch, and I believe going into the fifth, two of the judges had Holly winning one and two. And then three mm-hmm. and four were for Cyborg. So if Holly would have stole that fifth round, you know, we could have had a new champ. We could have had a new champ. So, uh, and, and it does make me as a huge Holly Holm fan and, and just a narrative fan kind of salty that uh, even more so at the New York State Athletic Commission because, you know, we this could this could have already happened and we could have already had a, uh, you know, Holly Holm featherweight champion, two two weight division champion, you know, because she should have beat Jermaine Durand to me. Um, but yeah, you know, I would have liked to see Holly use more sidekicks in this fight. I would have as well, but she that just, is a counter striking style. You don't lead with sidekicks. So it, it's just, and that's really was the story of the fight, you know, uh, going into it. I, I think I, I messaged you, you know, I was like, you know, round one, I gave it to Holly round two. I barely gave it to Holly round three. I mean, either way, you know, I, I wouldn't argue anyone if they said uh, Cyborg. And then round four, blatantly Cyborg. Round five, blatantly Cyborg. So um, that's just the way it goes. Uh, and unfortunately now, as I pull up the UFC website to look at the rankings, you can see Holly Holm is still number two in Bantamweight. But uh, if you want to look at the women's featherweight rankings, you can't because there are none. So we're still in a predicament where, I mean, Megan Anderson and then what? Cyborg is the only UFC champion in history that has to call out her own challengers. Yeah. Yeah. And he not- has to call out challengers. That's you've, I've never seen that before. Bellator champions don't even call out challengers. Um, I'm trying to think. Surely there's got to be someone else that's been, you know, at that terrifying level. Maybe if Nganu, you know, just knocks Stipe cold, then no one's going to really want to, you know, fight for the title. I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, But she's also the only champ in UFC history that's been the only person in her division. Hey, man, it's a cyborg show. It, it really is. That's, that's, this is how it should have started off, you know, that whole 140 thing. No, just put the belt on her. We're, we're here to see Cyborg, you know. This is the first fight where I'm actually interested in who Cyborg is fighting. Other than that, when I see Cyborg fight, you know, you, you're kind of, you're signing up to watch a lamb go to the slaughter. <laughs> sort of like when they drop the lamb in Jurassic Park down to the T-Rex, he just gets him. I was just signing up for when you, you watch a cyborg fight. It's exactly. 
Exactly. So it really doesn't matter that they don't have a division around her. I don't, you know, I'm not too focused on that. I don't need to see a 145 tough. Mm. It doesn't need God, to happen. No. no, I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if if we have a maybe if we have a women's 145 tough coached by Covington Woodley. <laughs> I mean, the problem with it is the majority of women at 145, ladies, don't get offended when I say this, look like soccer moms. Most of them have guts hanging over their shorts. They're not in shape. <laughs> most, one for, most women that fight at 145 are women that are too lazy to cut down to 135. Okay, I don't want to say too lazy. I they will. Just don't I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> They just don't want to make the cut. So a lot of them aren't even true for 45ers. I was looking at this Invicta fight. Um, I, don't, I don't even know who the two fighters were, but both the women were so out of shape. Well, it's just like if you look at the men's heavyweight division, how many heavyweights do you see that look like Francis Ngannou or Stipe or even Kane, which Kane isn't this shredded animal, but... How many do you see that kind of look like uh, Ben Rothwell or Anthony Hamilton? Anthony Hamilton or uh, I mean, gosh, there's yeah, I feel like there's so many you should be able to name. Uh, and I'm trying not to think of his name. Derek Lewis. I'm trying well, to avoid Derek, the ones that I don't well, like. Well, Derek Lewis is is tall enough. There's no possible way him or Mark Hunt could make 205. Uh, but Roy Nelson, you know, somebody that. Easily, Roy Nelson could make 170 if he lived his life right. That's yeah. that's how that's what his frame looks like to me. I think Mike Dolce like, actually said that he could get Roy Nelson down to 170 in a year and a half. Like he, I look at him and I like I see myself if I just let myself go and just didn't <laughs> give a fuck. I'm like that could be me in there. He's only what five nine. Five, I'm five ten. So he's like I think Roy Nelson's like five nine. And when you look at his head size, most of his head is just fat. Yeah. His arms are skinny. Yeah, he's skinny like, fat. He he definitely could be a 170 if he lived his life right. Go vegan, bro. Uh, <sighs> no, I'll, I'll pass on vegan. Um, <laughs> I am doing the Dolce diet again, though, so. Okay. Yeah, hopping up on that train. Been going to jujitsu, you know. I'm, I'm living life right. Dude, De- December was such a rough month. Oh, my God, dude. Ugh. The most carbs I've ever intaked in my life was December. Ugh. You need to start eating that quinoa, man. Do what? Quinoa. Dude, I eat quinoa all the time. I just didn't eat it at all in December. <laughs> I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over flax seeds, chia seeds, quinoa. Dude, I'm all over it. You just need to look at my Instagram post yeah. from uh, I got, uh, when I did my cut to 145, cool. dude. I was shredded. But, uh, no. man, what I eat now? I got a lot of that. I got the ground flax seeds, the chia seeds, and all that. Not this past month, though. Ooh. <laughs> it was bad, man. A lot of beer. A lot of beer. That beer will do it to you. Dude, and this weekend I got a pub crawl. You want to make heavyweight, that beer will do it for yeah, you. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> you want to be, dude, so my first night back. Um, I don't mean to get off topic, everybody, but my first my first night back at jujitsu after like three weeks was um, was Tuesday night. Man, it was a rough go. I was feeling it after like the first round of wrestling. I was like, I was hurting. So if you wanted to. you wanted to see a man defeated by himself and uh and 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 beer he should have came to 10th planet o'fallon illinois uh two days ago it was rough but i'm back now so on my second cup of coffee today so it's gonna be good tonight however comma yeah so uh next for chris cyborg uh i think megan anderson and then who knows after that you know they're just gonna have to fish for someone to to lay before her, uh, unless Megan Anderson, you know, uh, shows some good. Do it in Australia. That way, you know, there are no visa issues. Dude, I want it to happen so bad. Chris Cyborg versus uh, Megan Anderson in Perth. Ugh, 
That would be such a stat card. Oh. But who knows? You know, and honestly, honestly, you know, there's a possibility you could you could kind of put Cyborg as the main event again. Um, above Australia. Yeah. Well, yeah. absolutely. You just um, you throw Mark Hunt on that card as well. Yeah. Well, I think they are. I, I believe he is on that yeah, card already. So. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be a huge card. So. Uh, and then for Holly Holm, uh, Juliana Pena. Yep, just get her one win at Bantamweight, and then you throw in there with Nunez. That's exactly what they're going to do. Or if uh, by some miracle Raquel Pennington, well, she's injured, so I, I don't know. She's not a championship fighter. So you I'm stop. tired. Raquel Pennington <laughs> is in line for a title shot against Amanda Nunez, <laughs> sir. So if she were to beat Amanda Nunez and become the Bantamweight champion, you could throw Holly Holm right in there. And the UFC would throw Amanda Nunez to the side. They would start calling her Amanda, whatever. They would uh, they would pronounce her name right in any, you know, in any case. It's crazy that she hasn't. I mean, she's just not. They they just don't market Brazilian fighters. They hate them. They hate them, man. I mean, she. What what more do you got to do as <laughs> champ? You 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 run through Misha Tate. I mean, you run through Ronda Rousey. You're Brazilian. You're you're lesbian. <laughs> I mean, what other market do you want her to to be in? Uh, I don't know. Maybe she, you know, I don't know. Maybe she just comes out saying that Modelo is her favorite beer of all time. Maybe she'll get a little more shine, and that she rehydrates from her hangovers with body armor. She she might as well just and she say run, that the earth is flat. And then she runs off her uh, her hangovers with Reeboks. <laughs> I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of. I mean, I, I don't know. Do they still do those monster headphones or whatever? Those stupid headphones? The oh, that's the thing. <laughs> I don't know. It was some. <laughs> it was back when John Jones was still uh, the the champ champ. So, all right. So yeah, that is. Uh, that is really all we have for UFC 219. Looking forward, uh, the next card is going to be in St. Louis. Just a 15-minute drive from where I'm sitting right now. Um, but we'll break that down next week. Uh, do you got anything else in the MMA world? Anything announced that you want to go over? I had something, but I completely forgot. No, I mean, we kind of did cover the uh, Conor McGregor, uh, Dana White interview, saying that he has to, um, he has a timetable for him until March. Uh, Well, here is is something as of just a few hours ago. Uh, Dana White via Yahoo Sports, it says, Amanda Nunez wants to fight Cyborg. That is the fight to make, and that is the fight I will make. That is the fight. Amanda Nunez is a big, strong, powerful puncher, and I think she matches up very well with Cyborg 2, and I think that's a fun fight, and that's the fight. So. I'm having a hard time believing that Amanda Nunez wants that fight. I mean. Every time when asked about that, she says that she's too small. All of a sudden, Dana's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, she wants that fight. Sort of like how, you know, he said that Conor McGregor wants to fight Khabib in Russia. I didn't hear Conor McGregor say that, so I I can't take his word for it. I feel like they want that fight because there's literally nothing else for Cyborg to do. You know, why not devalue another one of your champions? Why not? Just go ahead. Well, I mean... But Dana White just said that on social media. How can you not believe him? <laughs> oh man! Well, that brings us just over, or just right about an hour. Uh, and I have nothing else for this week in MMA. You got anything else, Mac? Nah, man, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening and or and or watching. Um, just a reminder, we are on Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, and now, consistently, we are on YouTube again, uh, as you may see the gap in, I think, Front Kick goes from Front Kick Friday 3 
to 14 to 15. So <laughs> there is a gap there. And if you want to catch up or just take a look back at some of the picks we've got right and wrong, you can go check that out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Um, thank you for all those that are subscribing, listening, commenting, DMing, and uh, giving us likes. Uh, check out our Instagram page. That's where we update every time we have a new episode up or when there's fights up or if something crazy is happening in the Dragon Ball universe. Um, and back that's, on this week, right? Yes, Dragon Ball Super is coming back up this week. We've got, uh, speaking of, of fights, you know, uh, we've got... Vegeta versus Jiren. Now, uh, I am a little disappointed in some of the spoilers that have come out. I don't know if you're aware of uh, some of those, but uh, they, Vegeta kinda... is a six to one underdog, I believe, maybe a forty-two to one underdog. I think, yeah, he he, he is. <laughs> Vegeta is the Buster Douglas to the Mike Tyson of uh, to as to Jiren. So, you know, maybe miracles happen, and if they do, um, then maybe uh, maybe the miracles that would have happened in all of the fights that I've gotten wrong in the past year uh, will all come to fruition and give me a Vegeta, a Vegeta, at least a Vegeta good performance against Jiren. Um, at least an Ultra Instinct Vegeta. That's what I want to see. So, A man can dream. And my dreams are just now shot down by Mac. So with that being <sighs> said, for me, for Mac, we'll see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,